hello and welcome to Gutshot, home of the hottest takes for Magic the Gathering. I'm Will, and joining me as always is Frederick. Hello, it's Frederick, aka War Crimes Uwu on Twitch. Welcome to Gutshot, the Magic the Gathering podcast that you seek. If you're not already, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another second of that juicy gut shot content. Fred, how's it going today? Uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, I don't know. I, I've, I, I've been playing some MTGO Vintage Cube. Uh, I've been uh, learning to drive, uh, which is awful and I hate it. Uh, <laughs> I had a milkshake yesterday. It was, it was birthday cake flavored. Ooh, okay. um, yeah, yeah. There were a lot of people in the Baskin Robbins and I got anxious. I didn't want to ask for a sample of a fifth flavor. Um, so I just went ahead and got the, the birthday cake one and it was pretty good. Um, I'm very glad that I didn't put the, um, promotional sour, uh, green slime on it that they offer to let oh. you put on whatever ice cream for free. Cause I was thinking about it, but I think that would have been a bad combo. So I'm glad I made that call. That sounds terrible. I think you made the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was a pretty pretty good milkshake, but um, my partner got frustrated with me because I was trying to drink it while I was driving home, and oh, yeah. I'm a very new driver and not very good at it, and it was making them very anxious. I'm gonna recommend that that you don't do that, and instead, why don't you talk about magic with me? How's that sound? I would love that. That sounds excellent. Um, so you have to um, harass our audience about engaging with our content. Why don't you go ahead and do that? Uh, okay. All right. Um. Hey, before we get started with our episode, we just want to say thank you for listening to this episode of Gut Shot. It really does mean a lot to us. Um, if you're enjoying the show and uh, listening to the audio-only podcast, leave us a five-star uh, review on iTunes slash Apple Podcast and write us a nice review. We'll definitely read any five-star reviews we get. Uh, no new reviews just yet. We're sitting at it. We're sitting at a five out of five, which is good, but that's only three reviews. Uh, definitely want to get more of those yeah. if you're enjoying change this that. episode yeah yeah hey <laughs> be the change you want to see in the world if you're enjoying this episode on youtube hit the like button to let us know uh, again hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another second of that juicy gut shot content and don't forget the bell icon is there if you want notifications uh for new episodes but more than anything we love comments we want to hear what you think and what topics you want us to cover whether you agree with us, disagree with us, or think we're a couple of uh, weapons-grade yahoos, let us know in the YouTube comments, or you can tweet at us at GutshotPod, and we'll definitely read any comments uh, we get on air. Uh, no new tweets, but we do have some YouTube comments uh, yeah. to, uh, to to read on air. And this first one is from Meg C, uh, and this is a, a YouTube comment on our uh, most previous episode, uh, number 35, where we talked about um, proxies in Magic the Gathering. And uh, Meg C says... Make another designing magic card episode. Uh, parentheses, also more Palaka Worm content, please. Man, people really love it when we talk about card design. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the most interesting... Well, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I love game design. It's one of the most interesting parts of any game for me. But I think the design behind Magic the Gathering is one of the most interesting parts of the game for me. Just thinking about the way that all the pieces click together. And I love, like, making cards and thinking about cards and thinking about making cards. Um, on the Palaka Worm topic, you know I love big green creatures. You know, that's oh, yeah. my shit. I am a, I am a green ramp kind of guy. And uh, I tried to build a deck around Palaka Worm uh, when it was in Standard again. I was so excited. It got reprinted. It got reprinted at Uncommon. And I wanted to build a deck around it. And I had my play set of... That was a rare and a modern Masters set at one mm. point. Um, which is very funny to me. Um, and $10 pack, your rarest Palaka Worm. 
Um, but anyway, um, I built a deck around that and Sarkhan's Unsealing, which was mm. the four mana enchantment where if you cast something with four or more power, you deal four damage to any target. And if you cast something with seven or more power, you deal four damage to uh, your opponent, All each creature and Planeswalker they control as well. And then um, if you cast... Uh, and then uh, it played it played four Palaka Worm and it played four Gore Claw, which was three and a green for a four three, and uh, all of your um, thing all of your creatures with four or more power cost two less to cast. So you just kind of turbo out some Palaka Worms, do a bunch of damage to your opponent's face, even if mm -hmm. they kill the Palaka Worms. I just love Palaka Worms. I like big guys. I like gaining life. I like drawing cards, uh, and it's a good time. So uh, fellow Palaka Worm fan, good to see you out there. I think that Palaka Worm is the perfect power level for pushed green cards, right? Uh, you, you know, green has that thing where it can only do things if it's attached to creatures. And um, I, I want to see more Palaka Worms and less Great Hinges, you know? Like, Great <laughs> yeah. Hinge is just such, it's such a powerhouse value engine where Palaka Worm is, like, right where I want green to be. It, you know, it's a it's a big beater, it's the biggest thing on the board, and it gets you that extra value, including a card draw, um, you know, um, when it, you know, comes into play or dies. Um, that's where I want green's power level to be. So Palaka Worm's a great card. If that's going to be your favorite magic card, I think you made a good choice. Yeah, I, uh, I, I like that card a lot. It's up, it's definitely up there for me. You know, before we started this podcast, I was never one to kind of like make my own, you know, designs or like think that hard about the design of magic cards. But I have to say, after starting this podcast, I have really enjoyed coming up with the uh, card designs uh, that we do. And uh, honestly, we have a few more um, at the end of this episode. And uh, I, that honestly, I'm super excited to share with you what I made. So, uh, um, you know, stay tuned. We're definitely going to be talking uh, about uh, designing magic cards uh, much more in the near future. Yeah, I think um, I think it's pretty great. Um, I really enjoy the design of the magic cards, and I I like sharing them with y'all. A few people have commented asking us to do whole episodes designing cards, and I don't know if we'll ever do that, but it is it is definitely something that's fun for us. Um, yeah, but yeah, with that said, uh, we appreciate any engagement we get. Uh, like, comment, tweet at us. Um, start a discussion about us on Kiwi Farms. <laughs> Fred, would you like to uh, discuss our uh, second uh, comment that we have? Uh, for yeah, this yeah, we have a second comment, and this is from uh, Mike Lee, and it says, Don't read my comment on the air. Act like you don't know me, Fred. Our dog misses you. Return his calls for God's sake. My dog is right over there, and I just realized that I forgot to take her out before the episode started, so uh, we might have to break to take her out to poop, and uh, I don't want to edit it out. I want Will to try to entertain everyone by himself uh, in a way that uh, does not interrupt the flow of the episode uh, for about five minutes while I take her out to take a fat shit on the lawn or just bark at another dog and then have to go inside. That sounds disgusting. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, let's move on to our, our main phase. You know, big topic, like big news in the Magic community, and that is Jumpstart Historic Horizons coming to Arena with uh, uh, Magic's, maybe not very first, but the first, you know, serious implementation of digital-only cards. Jumpstart Historic Horizons uh, releases on August 12th, and this is only coming 
to Arena. Uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of exciting stuff that's happening with this new iteration of Jumpstart. It is, uh, it contains 31 new cards, and these cards will only exist in digital form. And uh, it seems like all of these cards are going to do something that um, makes sense to only exist in a digital environment. They, they use one of the um, new... Um, digital only mechanics, which we'll talk about here in a bit, or they do something that really isn't possible in Paper Magic, like uh, uh, doing random effects from a huge, huge pool, or putting lots of card on uh, on a text that you, or lots of text on a card that won't fit on an actual physical card. The rest of the set uh, consists of, due to historic reprints, uh, most of these are coming from Modern Horizons 1 and 2, and there's some powerhouse cards in there for sure. Um, there's a handful of reprints from other paper sets, and then there are a few reprints that are already in the client. Uh, and it looks like uh, Jumpstart is going to, uh, Jumpstart Historic Horizons is going to be available um, pretty much in the same way that Jumpstart 1 was. There's going to be a play queue. Um, to my knowledge, you won't be able to just buy the packs, but it'll, there'll be a queue that you enter, and then you get to pick uh, one pack from a pool of three twice to build your deck. So if you want to open up Jumpstart packs and not craft the cards, you're going to have to play in the Jumpstart queue, which does sound fun. Uh, you know, it's definitely going to be a higher power than the uh, the first uh, Jumpstart, but sure. there's, there's a lot to talk about, uh, you know, going on with this. Fred, just as a whole, you know, what wh what are your first thoughts when you hear that, like, this Jumpstart Historic Horizons is coming to to Arena? What, what is your off-the-dome thought on this? Okay, so without the digital-only cards, I was incredibly excited for this. I have mixed feelings about the digital-only cards. But um, the couple of really good changes I think they made, um, or that they made, I think are really good changes... Um, any cards that are from old sets, the original Jumpstart was just, the set symbol would either be Jumpstart or M21, so even if they were reprinting an old card that was already on Arena, it would have the Jumpstart set symbol, so it would be categorized as a different card, so if you pulled more than a playset, you wouldn't get gems for it, but with this one, like, for if you already have, like, a playset of a rare, uh, and you pull one, it's gonna have the old set symbol, it's gonna count as a part of that playset, and you're gonna get, like, the 20 gems or whatever. The big one, to me is, uh, and this is confirmed on Twitter by, I believe, either Gavin Verhey or Mark, Ro Mark Rosewater, um, if there are any packets that you have not opened before, you are guaranteed to be offered one of those packets in your three. And that is mm -hmm. huge. Um, yeah. Well, you know, with the last one, I know you were hunting every basic land because you just really loved playing Jumpstart, and I know, like, you went through a lot of different runs where you were just, like, kind of picking packets you already had because you weren't offered any new ones. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fact that that is going to be a change is very good and very huge. Um, and then, like, the other thing with the previous Jumpstart was I really loved playing it, but I could never justify spending the 5,000 gold on it because most of the cards in there were things that would only ever see play in casual historic Brawl decks. Like, the rare was almost guaranteed to just be, like, fight tribal historic Brawl commander. Or, yeah, you know, yeah, something of that tier. But with this one, your rare or mythic is going to be like a historic playable card. You know, I'm, I'm sitting refreshing the spoilers expecting like Ragavan to show up, but there are like powerhouses in here. So yeah. I think this will be it'll be a lot more bang for your buck. I do wish there was a um, more competitive queue where I could where you like aren't guaranteed any prizes. But if you get like seven wins, like in a draft, you can like free roll into another one. Um, but it is pretty decent value to get your two packets plus your two guaranteed extra rares. 
um, for five thousand gems. So if they do the same sort of thing as with the last jump start, then I'll be I'll be happy with it. But I would like a more competitive queue. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Lots. Uh. Seems like you. There are things you're excited about, and some things that you're not. Um. I actually love almost everything I've heard about this. Uh. This new set. Um. As you mentioned, I was super into Jumpstart One. Um. I really like powered down formats. Um. That's something that really appeals to me as a Magic player. And, and Jumpstart was definitely that. Um. So I, you know, I was trying to get all those basic lands, but I really did love just playing those decks. And when it came back a second time, even though by that time I had already had all of the um basic lands and most of the cards that I needed for historic from it, um, I was still playing it just because I love the the format. So um and I'm pretty optimistic about a lot of the new stuff that's coming uh to the arena client, both digital only cards and reprints. I would say the biggest thing here are these new digital only cards. I think we yeah. have a lot to, to talk about there. <laughs> so let's just get into that discussion. Um, as I said, there's going to be 31 new cards and these cards all do something that's really not possible in paper for the most part. Um, a lot of people are using the Hearthstone comparison and, and I do think that that's, that's apt in a way, uh, right? But um, so these cards are gonna do a lot of randomization, getting stuff from your deck, uh, you know, um, stuff that you just can't do in paper. Um, and in addition to that, there are three reused um, mechanics that we'll be seeing in a set. Um, uh, Fred, do you wanna tell us, uh, give us a bit of a rundown on the three mechanics that are, are coming uh, to these digital only cards? Yeah, so the first one is Seek. Uh, and it's kind of like drawing a card. It's basically like um, you'll draw a card from your deck, but your deck will get shuffled, and you'll only draw a card with those specific attributes. So, like, a, you can seek a card that costs two or less. I believe your deck is shuffled, either that or it picks the top card of your deck that meets those qualifications and just slides it into your hand. I'm not 100% sure how it interacts with scrying. But basically, you know, seek something that costs two or less. You'll draw a card from your deck, but it'll always be something that costs two or less. Seek a goblin. You'll draw a card from your deck, but it'll always be a goblin, etc. Um, but but, it, but it's random from the pool. You, you, yeah, you don't get yeah. to choose what it is. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. So it's 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 just drawing a card, but basically it'll try to draw a card, and it'll do it until it draws a card that meets those characteristics, and then puts it in your hand. Um, and then there is perpetually, which um, fun fact, perpetually is the only um, keyword mechanic that's an adverb. Um, That's and yeah, and what it does is, yeah, a magic card will never tell you to do something blankly except perpetually. Um, but anyway, um, it basically, it's a change that can be made to a card that is permanent. It basically changes how the card is printed, whatever zone it goes to exile, graveyard, hand, as far as we know, command zone. Uh, so like there's a, there's a spell for one mana that gives something minus one, minus two perpetually as an instant. So you can give your opponent's Arclight Phoenix minus one, minus two. And then when it goes to the graveyard, if they try to bring it back, it'll instantly die because it always has minus one, minus two, no matter where it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we're trying to figure out how that works with the command zone. Cause it would be pretty busted if like you could cast that on your opponent's commander with two or less toughness and they can just never play it again in brawl. I, I think they're going to change it. So it doesn't do that, but that, that, that has already, that has already been announced. Uh, that Davriel's withering, which is the minus one, minus two. To and another Davriel's card that does something permanently um, has already been banned in uh, oh, Historic Brawl. So okay. I was really hoping they would just change the way that it worked in commander-type formats because I wanted to play with that Davriel in Historic Brawl, but whatever. 
I, um, I, oh yeah, it's the Davriel Commander. It's already um, banned in historic. Role. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so. I figured because he can give some minus three, minus three perpetually. Well, that's disappointing, but I'm glad that at least you can whatever. Um, but that's perpetually, uh, and then conjure, which essentially um, make a real card exist from uh, from outside the game, like it's card not from your sideboard. It's just like a card that doesn't exist in the game. It begins to exist in the game as a real card, not a token that can be returned to your hand, can be sent to the graveyard, can be exiled, can be blinked, etc. Yeah. Um, and that makes it work sort of like tokens in Hearthstone do. Like in Hearthstone, every token has a cost. Every token can be bounced to your hand. Every token can be shuffled into your deck. Tokens can be reanimated from your discard, although Hearthstone reanimation works a little weird. But basically, like, it makes those cards work that way. They can be shuffled into your deck, etc. Uh, and right, there are a few yeah. cards that conjure cards. Some of them conjure cards that aren't legal and historic, but the cards that conjure them are legal and historic, which is pretty interesting. Hmm. But yeah, those are the three new mechanics. Um, and there are a few other cards uh, that uh, you know don't have those mechanics, but also do something kind of random. There is the uh, I don't have the card in front of me, but there is the green artifact that has the activated ability of a uh, Momir Vig uh, uh, avatar. Yeah. So it's yeah. basically a card that lets you play uh, Momir Basic. Uh, so it's not just those aren't the only like weird digital only cards um you know there are a few that don't use those mechanics but um you know do something else that's only possible in digital so yeah uh back in my day the only digital only mechanics were taking a shit while you were playing <laughs> yeah for sure okay so um well i just want to hear your opinion about this uh frederick uh so do you think that these cards are are cool and fun i kind of went through the seven stages of grief hmm. wait there's only five I went through however many stages of grief there are with this announcement um, because – so I used to play Hearthstone. I quit it not because of the RNG but because of uh, Blizzard's business practices. Terrible, um, terrible. And, and, and now we're hearing all the awful stuff, you know, uh, about, um, uh, you know, sexual harassment and stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> – if you're playing Hearthstone, please stop. Do not support that business. Or stop spending money on it at the very least. Um, I, uh, yeah, I quit because they had a, re a year of record profit, laid off a bunch of employees and increased their CEO's pay. That was when I quit Hearthstone. But, hmm. you know, if you're still playing it, you definitely shouldn't be. Either way, um, I don't know if there's no ethical consumption or capitalism, whatever. Um, I played Hearthstone. One of the things that frustrated me when I played it was all the RNG. It was clearly geared toward being like a very clippable game, a very like, whoa, what just happened, bro? kind of Twitch clip, clip chimp sort of game uh, yeah. versus like being player friendly, consistent, rewarding players for learning the mechanics. Um, but yeah, I was worried that magic would be taken in that direction. And I do have an issue with digital magic diverging from paper magic because that does kind of create an incentive to eventually gut paper magic. And I don't want that to ever happen. Uh, some people think that's eventually inevitable. Some people think that's never going to happen. Some people are on the fence. I definitely don't want it to happen. I don't. I can't speak to whether I think it's going to or not, but I, I don't want it to happen. But they did alleviate my concern about these digital mechanics increasing RNG. Like, obviously, the Momir Vig artifact is very random and, like, lol XD random and fun, whatever. But it's not going to be, like, constructed playable. And the thing that, like, makes me... The things that make me excited are the fact that they're using this digital-only thing to you do mechanics that actually decrease RNG. Seeking is less random than drawing a card. Um, 
that uh, just use the digital client in a way that makes the cards interact interestingly. In the case of like Conjure, like you're typically conjuring a very specific card, like uh, one of them just makes a Stormfront Pegasus to your hand, one of them puts a Tropical Island in your hand. Um, mm -hmm. Like it's just, it's what the card does. It just happens to use that mechanic. And then the Perpetually, especially, I think is an interesting design space. Um, it just kind of like, you can change marks on a card. There's like a, sh a dragon that has fire breathing, but the fire breathing is perpetual. So you can like buff it up. And then if it gets killed, you can reanimate it and it keeps all the plus one O's that you've given it. I think that yeah. stuff is really interesting and novel. Uh, and I am happy about that. So I think there's not really too much RNG. I'm not really, I'm not really as, as worried about that as I was, although I still kind of dislike the idea of um digital only cards just for the for the damage they might do to physical magic gathering uh, yeah i i get that um i for the record uh just to make my thoughts clear on this i love that they're doing digital only cards uh and i think that they really took a smart route to the 31 cards that that we we have at least seen at this point we actually have about a, a day or two left on spoilers so there may be a few at the tail end that we don't that we don't know about yet, but I'm actually really happy with like all of the digital only cards and I'm glad to see them come to uh, arena, but I totally understand what you're saying there is, and I, I've made a point like this before, you know, magic has a very storied history uh, and that's one of its strengths, right? You know, that's what sets it apart mm -hmm. from all of these random, like, uh, you know, uh, League of Legends card game and, you know, Transformers card, you know, online card game and, and all that, you know, junk. Uh, is is the history and you know things like getting rid of the dci and like just complete uh, you know completely gutting magic organized play really hurts that legacy i am willing to listen to arguments that having digital only cards that that do things like this mix with um you know just normal magic cards does kind of erode a, a little bit of that mm -hmm. history. I'm willing to listen to that argument, but I don't buy it. I do think that these digital only cards are kind of, you know, just magic taking a step into the future, you know, taking things that we yeah. know are fun and interesting from other card games that have the ability to be digital only and adding those that good game design into, in my opinion, the, the best game um, ever designed. Um, I, I have heard that comment about um, too much RNG, and I guess we can move on uh, to that. Um, but honestly, there really isn't all that much in the cards that we have seen. I love the point that you made that Seeking actually um, is not all that much RNG, especially since a lot of the cards that we've seen are grabbing cards that you have already chosen to put in your deck um that's a really yeah. smart design yeah we know that uh magic the watsi was destroying magic the gathering with rng printing cards like divination that just gives you two random cards that could be anything in your deck um so this is uh you know really they're really reining in those those rng mechanics with seek here yeah um and then stuff like uh perpetual and uh conjuring a lot of the conjuring is um is a steady it's like it yeah. only conjures the same card uh or it gives you like a a choice between three i think there's the one card it's like the blue artifact that um yeah. you, you pay mana and tap and it gives you like a bunch of options but like the momir vig artifact it's definitely costed and, and kind of just rules wise 
wouldn't really be a constructed playable card. It's obviously meant to just be a fun card and it's uh, stats uh, line up uh, that fact. Like stuff like perpetually, I think that that's, um, it has weird things with the command zone, like, like you, you, know, you mentioned, um, and I'm glad that they're paying attention to that. But just like being able to affect magic cards perpetually, I don't think erodes the, um, what's the term, erodes the integrity of the game in the, in the way that a lot of people are saying that it does. Um, I think, I think perpetual is a great addition to the, um, online version of magic. Yeah. I will say it's my favorite of the three that was added. Um, mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, I'm still too concerned with like the, the history of magic and the preserving the sort of integrity of the gameplay that I don't want any digital only mechanics, but like I'm, I would much rather have this than like, Oh, when you play this card, add three random goblins to your hand for Magic's history. You know what I mean? Yes, yes. Yeah. And it's clear that Magic, or it's clear that the designers have chosen not to put that card into um, this format. Now, will we get something like that in the future? Almost if definitely. This is, yeah, yeah. That, and that's something that kind of worries me a little bit. But um, do you think that we're becoming Hearthstone? Do you, do you think that uh, uh, that Magic is pretty much, you know, you know, uh, just like going down that path uh these days or do you still feel do you still feel that magic has its like own identity and is like um still apart from those other online only games we're not becoming less like hearthstone okay i'll yeah. say that fair 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 <laughs> okay yeah well, let, yeah I, I i don't know i don't know do you think that, and I'll, I'll answer first, but do you think that these cards are a net positive or negative for Magic the Gathering as a whole? I would say yes. Um, you know, one of the things that Magic has trouble with is getting new players, and, you know, um, in comparison to these flashier, bigger IP type online card games like Hearthstone or uh, Legends of Ruterra, Gwent, that type of thing. And I think that this is a positive. I think that it increases the excitement of the gameplay of Magic for people who are not lifers like you and I. We want things to be the same, you know, just because, you know, we're kind of just, uh, you know, at that age of loving Magic and having Magic be a part of our lives. We love the history of it. But a new player just wants it to be fun and exciting and something that they can you know engage with and these type of digital only mechanics i do think do, uh, they do a better job of attracting those types of players so uh, would you agree with that um i i don't know honestly i think i think that doesn't give new players maybe i'm misinterpreting what you're saying but i don't know if that gives new players enough credit um i think like the big hurdle for new players that i think makes like pokemon or something more attractive than magic is the like the stack and layers like these thing, these really like are kind of weirdly archaic mechanics stuff that doesn't really isn't really intuitive, um, and like Arena already fixes that because it handles it for you in the rules engine. Um, I don't think these like random mechanics are going to be more or like uh, per, I, I don't think these these digital only mechanics are going to do anything to attract new players. Watsy has put a lot of market research into what attracts new players. I think they are trying to jump in on Hearthstone's slice of the pie a little bit, and that was part of my concern with this change is like what was it motivated by was it hasbro saying you need to get in on hearthstone's market share i need to see our digital play up this much and hearthstone's down this much or you know there will be consequences for the watsy division of hasbro uh, yeah. or was it mark rosewater and gavin Verhey motivated by their love of the game as they tend to be 
excited to bring it into a new paradigm and just explore these new mechanics. And I honestly can't tell. Mark Rosewater has to pretend everything that he does is motivated by his love of game design, which is why he has to pretend that, like, he's excited about Secret Lair Lord of the Rings or whatever. But, yeah. like, Secret Layers to me were very obviously cynical in the way that they were made. Um, versus, and, like, the Secret Layer subscription and stuff, versus this doesn't seem necessarily that way. It could be that. It could be motivated purely by the people designing this game being excited to work with some new mechanics that they couldn't do in paper. I don't know. It kind of depends on what the motivation is. Okay, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I totally understand your your argument there. Um, a, a good point that I didn't think about as I was making that argument is that new players are not seeing these cards. Yeah. You know? Like, they're in Jumpstart. Like, you know, new players... I, I, I do think that new players coming to Arena should not be trying to get into Historic or play Jumpstart Historic Horizons with Modern Horizons 1 and 2 cards. They should be playing standard. Like, they should be playing, like, pre-con standard and opening up the latest standard set. Um, so, uh, that's yeah, that's a good point. But, you know, also new players will occasionally look into magic streams to be like oh i heard about this you know magic arena and they'll see the top players playing historic and possibly using these digital only cards mm -hmm. um so that 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 idea is still there but you're right they shouldn't be exposed to that as much as it would need to be a real pull for new magic players so i appreciate you making that comment yeah i think i think that's that's the important thing is like where are these cards going who is seeing them um and i just yeah like i don't know if it's new players um okay yeah yeah so um well, let's wrap up this um uh talking about these new uh digital only cards just uh you know bigger picture you know five thousand feet in the air what do you think that these cards mean for the future of magic is this the direction we're going or is this just an experiment um do you do you what do you think this means for the future of magic uh it doesn't mean anything i want um, okay. I would rather this not have happened at the end of the day. Like, I'm not as mad about it as I was. I'm excited to play with these. I'm excited to play this historic, uh, Horizons event. I'm going to do some jumpstart. I'm going to do as much as I can to get the cards that I need for standard. Although, you know, it's not as friendly to me as a person who plays a lot of limited as a draft would be where I can win more of the cards, but you know, sure. that all sure. that aside, I'm going to enjoy playing it, but, um, it speaks to a direction that the game is going in that I don't like very much. Okay. And that I'm I'm worried about like what if the next set that would be Modern Horizons three that would add some fun stuff to modern just gets released on arena with some digital only cards and added historic. It means they're <laughs> spending less time designing the game that I care about and more time designing a sort of different game. You know? That that would definitely be bad. Um, you know, something I want to something I care about and something I, I want wizards to pay attention to when they're making these cards is i i want them to go just buck wild on arena right uh, i i want them to change cards um you know like make oko less powerful as soon as they know that oko is the most broken thing they've ever printed uh change the mana cost change the the loyalty um you know change the ban restricted list uh you know as as quickly as they they need to um you know make these digital only cards i want them to have a space on the arena client where they can just go buck wild like that but I also want the paper game to be preserved as, you know, the game that we know it to be and have it continually grow in a way that is healthy 
for paper. Um, so yeah, like what you said, where it's like digital only, but they're modern cards and, and all that. I definitely don't want that. And the modern format in paper should remain the same, whether it's in paper or online. Um, but I do want Wizards to have the space to where they can just go crazy with stuff. So, um, uh, you know, I it, it, like you said, I definitely think they're going to continue to go down this road. But as long as they're smart about knowing how where magics come from and keeping that the way that you know lifers like us want it to be and then having the separate spatial over here where it's new and exciting and you can like dip your toes in both and you know pick your poison and you know have fun the way you want to have fun with magic i'm i'm hopeful for what this means for the future of magic yeah okay i think that's a good way to look at it i would prefer if they just did that in historic um, but yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that being a good way to look at it. I don't want a digital version of a card that has the same name to do a different thing than the paper version. Oh, um, that would be, ins that would be insane. Hopefully they would never do that. Well, no, I'm just saying like if they make Oko on arena and he's just fun to play with in historic and then someone wants to play him in commander and paper and they find out that he does a different thing. Like that's my issue. Yeah, I, I see. I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, they did a interesting thing with the mirror mirror event where it had like a symbol in the name, so it like technically had a different name in the rules. Yeah. Um, so maybe they could do something like that. Yeah, it's 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 tough, but that's I think a discussion uh, for another day. Yeah. So other than the digital only cards, there's actually a lot of other exciting stuff happening with this. Um, the biggest on my mind is the inclusion of these very juiced uh, modern horizons reprints coming oh, yeah. to historic how do you feel about this do you are you excited to see these cards come to the historic format yes any any cards that are like modern playable that become legal on arena increase the very slight chance that eventually modern will be playable on arena and i can sell my goddamn midgo collection oh, um okay. yeah i am excited uh for those cards uh, i saw sarah i was really crossing my fingers for ragavan and i don't think they want to release that into historic just yet and i totally get why but you know we have seen some powerful stuff esper sentinel you know um verdant command like a few a few uh, things that are honestly kind of houses chatterstorm um, ch yeah chatterstorm <laughs> uh we've already got grape shot hey it could happen we don't have manamorphos though i i'll sure. i'll believe you when we when we have manamorphos but like yeah, I think that they're very excited. I, I am that is a net positive to me. I am very excited about that. Uh, yeah. So Wizards has really doubled down on the idea that they want Historic to be a high power format, and they are bringing some high power cards to uh, uh, Historic. It is a little unfortunate that we're not seeing the effects of the Brainstorm suspension without, uh, you know, like there might be just like a little sliver of time in between, but there is no time for that format to develop before the format just gets turned up on its end and now becomes a, um, you know, Modern Horizons win two cards type format. So, um, but yeah, th this is this is a sign that you cannot, you won't be able to get away with just playing old standard decks in Historic. You're going to have to have some of these uh, powerful Modern Horizons cards. Um, so, you know, make sure if you want to be a Historic player, make sure you have a plan to either grind a jumpstart or make sure you have the... Um, the resources to craft some of these cards, uh, you know, because there are some powerhouses coming in. But it is exciting, you know. These are cards that people love to play with, you know, especially um, some uh, older iconic cards uh, that are coming. That I'm sure we'll talk about a few later. Um, so yeah, just cards that people are excited about coming to historic. That's only a win, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think that's exciting. And if this set was just modern cards coming in a jumpstart set, that would be, like, exactly what you and me want. That would just be, like, my favorite thing. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. yeah. Um, how do you feel, and I know other people are talking about this, one of the main complaints about this, other than the uh, digital-only cards, is Jumpstart as a distribution model. Um, people are saying that it is not actually, like, it's a very... Um, I've heard the word predatory used, so I'll just default to that. People are saying that Jumpstart is a more predatory distribution model because it makes it harder to open up packs and get what you want. Um, do you like the way that, um, do, do you like uh, collecting cards through the Jumpstart model, or do you think that that's like a bad way to get these uh, new reprints in people's hands? Um, I think they... I, I'm of two minds on that, right? I think for new players, it's great because they don't get tricked into playing a draft and then losing and spending way more gold than they would have on packs. Uh, if you look at like the number of rares, because rares is what people really care about, especially lifers. Um, if you look at the the way that the rares compare, you're going to get three or four rares for the price of half of the <clears> draft. In order to get... Uh, since drafts are twice as expensive, in order to get six to eight rares you are going to have to win at least like four of your games. Whereas mm -hmm. with this jumpstart, you're guaranteed two rares. You get one or you get, oh, you get um, four to six rares because you get two packs to play with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good value. It's decent value. It doesn't contain the possibility for it to go up is I think the issue most people have with it. Like if you were given the opportunity to play in a more cutthroat queue and jumpstart where you, you kind of wager those rares that you're automatically given in the regular way to play where like they, they become like more, you know, you get more jumpstart packs for doing well. Like, I yeah. think that would be good. And I think just letting people buy the packs, maybe if they cost one and a half times as much as regular packs, that's fine because they, they do contain more rares. But, um, I think it's honestly, it's not a big deal. It's definitely not the most predatory thing that wizards has done on or off arena by a wide margin. Um, and I think it, it does suck that you only have the option to like play this, get two random rares plus like two semi-random packs that you kind of have to like pick through. Um, but a predatory, I think is a little bit strong of a term. Uh, sure. it's a different format than draft. It, it's, it's more, it's the least top heavy prizes possible because everyone gets the same thing. As long as you literally can win two games within the like two weeks that jumpstart is up. Um, and a yeah. lot of people will just join and concede to give other people the wins they need, which sure, whatever. And you can keep playing if you, uh, if you enjoy your deck and you don't want to quit after your two wins. I, I think it's fine. Honestly, I like jumpstart as a distribution model. I wish that they did other ways to get the stuff so that people who don't like jumpstart as a distribution model have that option, but I enjoy playing it. So yeah, yeah. You know, I actually find the jumpstart queue to be a lot of fun you know you have to keep in mind you're getting a like a limited magic experience on top of it yes. uh, and that's not nothing and and these packs are juiced you know it's not like the old jumpstart where i mean i love the power down format but you know these aren't just like draft i mean there are some draft commons but you're playing with like real modern legal cards uh you know like designed for modern cards um so you're getting a good magic experience on top of opening these packs you yeah. mentioned 
Yeah, you mentioned earlier that they are changing uh, the way that the that you will see these packs. Um, as you mentioned, um, if there are packs you have not seen, you are guaranteed to see at least one of those every time you get a pool of three packs uh, to to pick from. So that's really going to help. I think that by itself. I think that by itself is going to alleviate a lot of the concerns that people have about Jumpstart being a bad way to get these cards in the hands of players. Yeah, I think right. that's definitely true. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and honestly, you know, if you are if you are playing Arena and you don't have the resources to grind Jumpstart in a reasonable way to get the cards that you need, I don't think that another model would have helped you. You know, like if you just have packs, you know, that you could buy or enter just a traditional draft queue, if you're st if, if you still don't have enough resources to like be able to grind uh, a, a like that kind of queue, like you're still not really going to be able to get anything. So the problem there isn't jumpstart. The problem is you just not having the resources to get the cards <laughs> that you need. Just so it's not really it's not Jumpstart's uh, fault, but uh, I, I am willing to listen to a little bit of, uh, you know, um, people, uh, you know, wishing that Jumpstart was a little more generous in getting these these uh, new cards. Yeah, I guess it's like the other the other thing to kind of remember is like when Arena started out, it was literally just standard sets got released on arena they didn't introduce anything else and now there is like probably there's a, there's a release between every standard set now it's like twice as much content and they've definitely not doubled the amount of resources players have to access that content so right. i think those complaints are a little more justified yeah okay that that makes sense so yeah i mean that's pretty much uh um you know the, uh, our discussion about you know what jumpstart you know historic horizons means for arena there was one uh, nugget of news um that came in the state of the game announcement that spoke a little bit more about jumpstart um so we're just going to mention that real quick here a hundred card historic brawl is getting a permanent queue in arena with the release of jumpstart historic horizon so um fred real quick how do you feel about that are you excited we've spent a lot of time talking about it yeah we asked for this literal thing so I'm, I'm very glad that we're getting it. I'm excited to like sort of update all my historic brawl decks to turn into just arena commander decks. And then I'll probably like I once I've grinded my rank up to where I feel kind of stagnant in historic each month, I'll probably switch to playing historic brawl because it is very fun. Yeah, and with these new um, Modern Horizons cards being added to, um, you know, Historic Brawl, it, it's just it's just a net win. I'm so glad that they listen to the community and are giving us this because I think that this is going to honestly juice the uh, Jumpstart queue um, numbers, right? Because people are going to be like, oh, well, I'll get Jumpstart because I'll open up these one or two, uh, you know, Modern Horizons cards and they will be perfect for this, uh, you know, Historic Brawl deck that I'm building. So right. um, I, I think that those are really going to complement each other. And I'm so glad that they did this. We'll probably talk about this a little bit more in depth on a future episode, but it was announced. So uh, I want to talk about that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I think that'll be a future episode for sure. Uh, but yeah, right. overall, very happy with that change. Yeah, okay, okay. So, um, l like we said, we've talked about a lot how we're getting these uh, new historic reprints, and we wanted to do, as we usually do here, we wanted to talk about our top cards that we're excited about. Um, so these are new to historic reprints. I think that most of these are going to be um, Modern Horizons cards, but there might be one uh, here or there that's uh, from one of those extra sets. Uh, and uh, these lists are probably just going to be very part and parcel for like what kind of type of Magic players we are. I know that my list is very much like, they're very <laughs> 
will cards, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, Fred, do you want to go ahead and tell me your first card that new to new to historic reprint that you are excited about? All right. The guy everybody loves to blink, Blade Splicer. Oh, yeah. Great card. Two and a white. Uh, one one. Uh, all your golems have first strike. When it comes in, you make a three three golem. Um, you know, my partner plays a green white blink in modern with like aether vial, and you, you, when you blink this guy, you get another three three, and the three threes have first strike as long as he's still around, and that's pretty good. Uh, I'm happy to see him here. We don't have flicker wisp in historic yet, but we are getting resto, and you know, I think I think with time there will be there will be a place for old blade splicer, classic modern creature deck card. Oh yeah, for sure. It's uh yeah, great for for blinking. It's just a it's a fine card on stats. Um, you know, there's all sorts of shenanigans, uh, shenanigans you can do with it. Yeah, it's like classic white mid range card that's at the power level that historic is at. It's just a it's a slam dunk card. Yeah, definitely. So what's your first one? Yeah, so uh, I'm choosing Wicker uh, Icker Wellspring. Uh, you know, very popular um, artifact card. I think uh, Popper plays this a lot. I know I play this in a lot of my artifact-based red decks and like uh, Commander. Um, two mana artifact when it enters the battlefield or is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, draw a card. So you play it, you draw a card, you sack it to whatever, and you get another card. You can often loop it with other cards to uh, uh, get value. Um, Doretti loves this card. It does seem with the new uh, jumpstart, they're adding a lot of um, artifact synergies. I believe that there are multiple packets that are artifact based. And this is, I think that this card is going to be one of those innocuous cards that really juices an artifact um, historic deck. So I'm looking forward to see how that plays out. And in any, any um, historic brawl deck that cares about artifacts, this is a slam dunk, just a bread and butter artifact card for those decks as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think so. I don't think we'll ever see, like, Affinity in Historic, and I think that's good. I don't think mm -hmm. it'll ever get the critical mass of those cards. But it's got Ornithopter and stuff, so I don't know. I just, uh, I think all that glitters is really annoying, and uh, <laughs> any artifact sure. that's good makes all the glitters better. So I'm a little apprehensive. Absolutely. Uh, what is yeah. your next card? Uh, my next card is Verdant Command. Sort of, kind of a play on... Um, on Primal Command a little bit. It's one in a green. Let me see if I can remember all the modes off the top of my head because I just have the list of the names. It's one in a green for an instant. Choose two. Uh, gain three life. Make two tapped 1-1 one, one squirrels. Exile target card from a graveyard. Counter target loyalty ability of a Planeswalker. Wow, you nailed that. So, I don't know if it was in the right order. Um, I think the squirrels come first and then life and then graveyard and then Planeswalker. Um, so... I tried to play with this in modern, and it's just not good enough. Whatever. Um, okay. Um, there, there's a lot of versatility there. You can stop a reanimator spell and make two squirrels. You can counter, like, a Planeswalker ult or just, like, a Tybalt that you, like, really need to deal with, but it can just buy you a turn without letting them get any cards off the Tybalt and make the squirrels. You know, they minus Tybalt on something, you counter it, make two squirrels, and then you can kill the Tybalt, and it didn't do any damage, and you did that for two mana, and you get to keep the one ones after. Um, you can, uh, you know, exile their reanimator target and then make the squirrels. And if all else fails, on their end step, just gain three life, make two squirrels. It's going to be really good against aggro, too. Just gain three life, make two squirrels. Um, you got to love yeah. it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a definitely a two for one. Um, I knew you were super excited about this when it was originally uh, printed, but yeah, you're right. It, it's, it's printed for modern, but it's a very safe modern card. It's not, uh, not the most powerful thing you can do, but maybe historic, uh, the power level for that is a, uh, is a bit better. Uh, for this card. So I, I would hope that historic could be a format where this is a good card. Yes, definitely. Uh, it's not, it's a good card, but not the kind that shuts your opponent out of the game. What's your next one? 
Yeah, so this is Battle Screech, uh, originally from uh, Judgment, uh, and then I uh, got reprinted in Modern Masters 1, I think. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, four mana uh, white sorcery. Create two 1-1 one, one white bird creature tokens with flying, and then it has flashback for tap three untapped white creatures you control this is a um this is a popper card you know if you're pl uh, playing like a a white flyers type uh aggro deck it, it's also good for more controlling uh decks and you know decks that would want something like a lingering souls or a, a spectral procession i think that this is like the third card in that like power ranking Mm -hmm. I believe. Um, I actually got it on the ground floor of this. Um, I was building my uh, blue-white kind of um, popper cobblade deck, and I bought some of these, and then I think a couple of weeks later, people started realizing that this was a really good popper card, and it went up in price, so I'm very proud of myself for being a bit ahead of the curve on this. But yeah, um, yeah so basically, this is just a... This is a good card when you want Lingering Souls, but that card is not legal in the format. It it's, it's lower power level, but it's still pretty good. It has interesting play patterns. It's just a really cool card for if you just want to make flying tokens. Yeah, love that Popper Cobblade deck. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so next one I've got is uh, Ponder. Mm, yeah. Yep. Yeah, um, they had to ban Brainstorm. Let's see if they'll do it again. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, yep, for sure. Yeah, honestly, like, I was very surprised to see this right after Brainstorm suspension. Because, I mean, they could have cut cards like this. I, I don't know if it'll be any... I would have expected them to test Serum Visions first, I guess is my stance on that. Sure, um, yeah. Yeah, I honestly don't know what to make of it like obviously it'll see play but the question is like will yeah. it see more play is it better than serum visions or was it banned because of critical mass there's a lot of a lot of questions there but um i'm curious to see what ends up being the case i don't like that they're banning brainstorm and then immediately printing like the best replacement for it now, yeah. now maybe it's maybe it's in like a power vacuum it's not the best replacement but just like all of those decks can just slot and ponder for brainstorm and not lose all that much i mean i mean they're losing a lot of power but mm. it not like really hurting the deck all that much um i kind of wish that those old brainstorm decks had to it had to like um uh, kind of change a little bit kind of uh, uh you know find a different way of doing things so they didn't just have a really good you know uh one drop uh cantrip uh but um yeah so apparently all those decks are just going to um look at ponder first uh, before they move on to any other options yeah um i think like it doesn't protect you from thoughtsies like it's definitely a worse card but it's it is definitely like the next best thing yeah, no, no, it's yeah. definitely not Brainstorm, but, like, it's been proven to be a very good card. Speaking of the next best thing, what's the next card that you think is the best thing? You know, uh, my co-host uh, for my other podcast, Distandies, Jordan, he is a, um, he's a magic player, you know, just like us. Hasn't been playing quite as long as us, I don't think. Um, but, you know, he's he's super into it. He's probably a lifer just like us. And one of his favorite things to do in magic is uh, basically uh, abuse Enter the Battlefield effects. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about 
you know, the new jumpstart coming to Arena. And we were talking about how um, cool it would be to get Mold Drifter in Historic. And I think both of us were like, nah, with Ephemerate in the, in the format and then Restoration Angel, Soul Herder coming, they wouldn't give us Mold Drifter. Well, gosh darn it, they gave us Mold Drifter. Uh, you know <laughs> it, you love it. Classic magic card. Five mana, uh, creature elemental, it's blue. A 2-2 two -two flyer. When it enters the battlefield, you draw two cards and then you can evoke it, um, you know, so you don't get the creature you just get the inner the battlefield effect um for three mana two generic and a blue uh mold drifter kind of becomes one of the best things that you can blink in historic automatically you know it's just it's just a great value engine it becomes a 2-2 flyer which is you know a, a you know a real creature um yeah any deck that wants to blink has to be looking at this and uh, putting it towards the top of the list of things that they can blink it's, it's just that good yeah yeah definitely um i think it's it's up there, uh, and I'm curious if we'll end up getting, like, Panharmonicon, like, any of the things that make cheesy Brawl decks, or if they, like, are really focusing this support toward, um, like, competitive, like, 60-card, well, I guess Brawl is 60, you know what I mean? Um, and I'm curious if we'll get, like, other busted Blink targets. Uh, you know, Charming Prince is legal on Arena, so, you know, I really think that kind of thing might have legs. Panharmonicon is le already legal and historic. Oh yeah, okay. So huh. yeah, that that's hey, that'll be something really good for you to do with your pan harm uh pan harbicon. Yeah. Alright, um, what is your yes, what is your next card? Yeah, and this is one I think it's is is a sleeper. Trumpeting herd. Uh oh, okay, okay. two and double green for a three three with uh rebound. Make a three three L or uh, sorry, not it isn't a three three, it makes a three three elephant token and it has rebound. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's four mana for two three threes. You get one Im Im immediately and then one at the beginning of the next turn. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of body for four mana. I think this card's good. I think it'll be yeah. it will be a good card. I think it'll see some play. It'll obviously be good in that limited format, but yeah, I, I'm 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 pretty high on that card. What do you think about it? Oh yeah, yeah. Um the cards that do this have proven to be, you know, at least you know, at least like baseline playable and a lot of them have been good in their formats um call the herd is like the og i think and then there's uh you know like this one there's crushing footfalls which is seeing a lot of modern play these days it's good it, like cards that make multiple real creatures are just good and this is just uh you know the the new iteration of that um uh formula so yeah this is if you're playing a green if you're playing any sort of green mid-range this is a card you want to make sure that you are at least aware of existing and think about for that deck yeah definitely what's your yeah. second to last or did you go yeah first? so okay yeah so these are the kind of real iconic cards um this card very close to my heart i've played a lot of this in a lot of different formats restoration angel is coming too historic and i think that this is definitely a watershed card um decks that are trying to um blink um this is like one of the top ways to do that it's right up there with yorion and ephemerate um i think that those are like the big three uh for um for blinking restoration angel let's say uh this is a four mana a three four angel uh you know 
uh, with flash and flying. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may exile target non-angel creature you control, then return that card to the battlefield under your control. So you can't chain the Restoration Angel. You can't, you know, chain it with uh, with angels. But most other creatures, you're able to flash the sin, get another ETB trigger, and uh, get a 3-4 flyer on top of it. You know, that is just an incredible rate. And I'd like to remind everybody that Thragtusk yeah. is already in the format, and that is one of the first things I want to try in Historic. Thragon and Swagon. I'm going to be trying it too. I'm very, very excited for that. Yeah, uh, just, I mean, Powerhouse card has tons of pedigree. You don't need me to tell you how good Restoration Angel is. It's one of the most excited cards I, 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 I one of the cards I'm most excited for uh, to, to, to come to Historic. Yeah, this is really a one step closer to modern moment. Uh, for the yeah. historic format in a big way. Now we're just waiting on uh, Court of Calling and Ewit. <laughs> oh, for sure. Or Kiki Jiki would be, would definitely be fun. I don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> sure. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I, I believe this is your last card. What is your last card? My last card is Sarah the Benevolent, and mostly because this card was like just shy of being playable in modern uh, mm -hmm. in terms of power level. She's a Planeswalker who this is a normal amount of time to wait. Uh, before talking about something, I'm not Googling what she does. Uh, I oh, just I'm, do I'm doing the same thing. Alrighty. Sarah the Benevolent. Alright, she is a Planeswalker. Two and double white for legendary Planeswalker, Sarah. Comes in with four loyalty. Plus two, creatures you control with flying get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Minus three, create a four, four white flying angel creature token with... Sorry, four, four white angel creature token with flying and vigilance. Minus six, you get an emblem with if you control a creature, damage that would reduce your life total to less than one, reduces it to one instead. So the warship effect after plussing her once. Uh, so mm -hmm. you can, there's a lot of play patterns here. You can get a much more, you can get a like non-enchantment, like an emblem version of the warship effect by playing her, plussing her, and then minusing her the next turn if you really think she can be safe. Or mm -hmm. you can tick her down and it doesn't quite kill her to make a Sarah Angel. Uh, and she costs one less than Sarah Angel does. So this is just oh, you know, kind of yeah. a strict upgrade uh, almost. And, yeah, I, I think she was just shy of seeing modern play. I always thought her minus was pretty strong, and they would usually have to waste an actual card to kill her. So I thought, you know, she would find a niche in modern. I ended up being wrong about that. The format is just really powerful that a card like this just doesn't see any play. But I think she's definitely cube-worthy, um, and I think she's she's a pretty strong card. Her plus two doesn't really do much of anything, to be honest, uh, unless that historic Flyers deck really takes off, and then I think there's probably better Anthem effects. But the mm. minus three and then just kind of plussing her until you can get to that warship or even just minus three next turn plus her next turn make another angel and she dies like you know there's a lot of play patterns with this card that end up giving you a lot of stats for the cost and i'm i would be surprised if she didn't see at least a tiny bit of play in historic what do you think will yeah it's just like verdant command um you know this was made for modern and proved to just be a little bit too weak for that format and you know uh, and instead other than just uh corner cases uh but i'm hoping that historic is at the right power level where this is played because it is such a cool card just like you uh highlighted um so i really i really want this to see play um due to just how cool it is uh you know just getting a undercosted sarah angel plus uh, value on top of that um so yeah i, I just really want to see uh where this plays and, and with like bow screech and you know some other like uh, token generators uh on um uh in the format like i think a tangible virtue is on the format or in the format as well um i just really i really like the format to be at a place where something like this could be played and be good Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for. Hmm? So you've got another card? 
Yeah, so this is uh, my last card, um, and this is um, uh, one of the mythics from the um, first Modern Horizons and uh, has just been a very expensive card, but now it is much more attainable um, for people, and I'll explain exactly why I'm excited about this card. This is Seasoned Pyromancer. And oh, I thought you were going to say Renin 6. <laughs> Seasoned Pyromancer, and this is absolutely going straight into Winota 100 card Historic Brawl. It's just mm-hmm. a perfect card for that deck. Uh, it is a uh, three mana 2 2. Uh, it's one generic and two red. Creature, human, shaman. When it enters the battlefield, discard two cards, then draw two cards. For each non land card discarded this way, create a 1 1 red elemental creature token. And then you can pay five mana, exile uh, this card from your graveyard to create two 1 1 red elemental creature tokens. It's a human, uh, it makes a 1 1s for Winota, um, so, you know, slam dunk there. But outside of that deck, this is just a great value red card. Um, you know, any like non super, super aggro deck uh, that has red in it is going to uh, want to play this. Um, you still draw two cards even if you have an empty hand. Um, so if you're hellbent you get to play this and just draw two cards and it's a 2-2 and you get value when it dies uh you know without ability in the graveyard this is just proven to be a very powerful kind of mid-range red card and uh this is going to see a lot of play i think yes absolutely uh i think it's a powerhouse of a card and i am curious where it's going to see play but it's the kind of card that you know it's going to see play i've got mono red mid-range just kind of like a big red deck built in mm-hmm. historic and that's what i've been jamming recently and i'm curious if he'll make it in there uh and i think he will i'll probably replace like baby chandra the one from m19 m20 with him uh but yeah, yeah i think he's definitely good. pretty good yeah so yeah that is our each of us top five new to historic reprints there's so much to be excited about i mean we didn't talk about Chatterstorm. we didn't talk about just uh like a soul herder or um stuff like that uh, R- uh ranger captain of eos like uh mm-hmm. you know um not not eternal witness but like the the new one that is uh a bit more overcost and eternalizes there's so much coming um uh, but those are our top five um it's definitely going to be a different 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 format once jumpstart comes out i 100 percent agree i think it's going to be a very different format and i'm very excited i think it's going to feel more like modern but without utopia sprawl or arborel for mm-hmm. any of the cards that make modern fun for me sure sure okay all right so uh enough about jumpstart let's move into our well i guess we're still talking about jumpstart but let's move (laughs) on to our scoop step uh fred do you want to tell us what we're doing today yeah so um we like making car at least i like making cards and will tolerates it uh we are going to uh design our own digital only cards and i wanted to design some digital only cards that lean into the different mechanics that can only be done in digital so we've we've each designed i think will made two and i made three unless he made a third one okay yeah uh, so we've each made a couple of um, digital-only cards that sort of showcase, in my case, not necessarily the direction I want them to go in, but just a direction I think they might go in for some of them. Just cards that could only exist in digital magic, that do things that paper magic can't. So I suppose I'll go first since I have three of them. Yeah, go ahead. Alrighty. We've got Conjured Company. Uh, any guesses as to what this does? Um, I can make a couple of guesses. I'm going to guess that, um, I'm going to, I'm going to guess it has to do with getting two cards. Yes. Yeah. So this is, um, three and a white for an instant. Um, you are shown six creatures that cost three or less that are legal in the format that you're playing. Hmm. You choose two of them and conjure them onto the battlefield. Oh yeah. That's, that's nice. I like how, um, you're not putting them into your hand. I, I, I guess they have to, um, 
they ha they have to come out onto the field to be the reference that you want it to be. But yeah. that gets that gets around the mana issue um, to where yeah. you have to um, be able to play them. So, yeah, yeah. So that's uh yeah that's nice. I wonder what the playability of that card is going to be. I, I mean, part of why Collective Company is so good is the seek issue uh, or not issue, but you know, like you're getting cards that you have already chosen to put in your deck this yeah. card i mean we know collected company is good but since like the spread of creatures is so wide on this um it really is you know like you have to think about like what the average case is is going to be um yeah i, think I, I wonder I, I wonder like because if you looked at statistically i wonder like what the average power of cards um, you know, like power level of cards um, you would get on that card. That's that's very interesting. Yeah, I would be curious to see that too. I think the thing that balances it out is that when you Coco, you will see between two and four creatures. And with Conjured Company, you're going to see shittier creatures. You're going to see a lot of draft chaff, but you're going to see six of them. So it's more likely that you'll see something you might want, you know? I don't think it'll be as powerful as Coco, but I think it'll be, it's a white card. Yeah, did you did you say that there was a, um, a mana value cap on that, or can you just play like if you get something that costs like ten mana, are you able to play? That? Oh no no no, you only be shown creatures that cost three or less. Oh okay okay yeah, yeah. okay that 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 is that's good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. That's definitely good. What would you feel about pick two cards whose combined mana value does not exceed? A certain amount but then but then open up that cap how do you feel about that design i feel like that would be a lot harder to like show a player specific cards to pick from like, yeah okay yeah i don't know i think um like a, a cord of conjuring would be fun yeah <laughs> like okay. a like a convoke and then you get shown a few creatures of that mana cost and you get to pick one i think there's a lot of space with the conjuring thing uh, i think conjuring random stuff is is something i'd want to be wary of <laughs> but i wanted to lean into it for this design I, I like the way that you line that out, um, having that uh, a mana value of three cap uh, and uh, doing that. I, like, if they were going to make a card like this, your card here is where I would want them to start out with. Yeah. So let's let's hear your first digital-only card. Uh, so um, I did cheat a little bit. Both of my cards—I will actually, your, yours was a riff on an existing card, and both of mine are kind of like that as well. Yeah. Um, my first design is, I think, the best uh, opportunity for Magic to print a Black Border Booster Tutor. Uh, so mm -hmm. I would assume this— I, I assume that this would be like a two-mana two Black Instant. Uh, name a historic legal set. Open one booster of that set and choose one card from it. Put the chosen card into your hand. As long as this card is in your hand, you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. And that's why I'm thinking about that, you know, like, you know, having to pay um, for the cards that you get randomly. Um, yeah. You know, if Booster Tutor was going to be on Black Border, doing it digitally is its best opportunity to be printed, right? Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, and I like I like the idea that digital also gives you the opportunity. Like it, it makes it easier to be able to play cards that are not in your color, which makes Booster Tutor even that much better um, because you don't have to pick cards that are in your color. Um, but um, because we now have that kind of mechanic where it's super easy to play cards and just be like, oh, you could just cast it for for any color of mana. Um, so, uh, but it would probably have to cost a little bit more. That's why I'd say it'd probably cost two mana. But what do you think about this? I think that's a great design. Uh, I think you could just make it like a one-mana sorcery, probably. I mean, like, yeah. usually it's probably going to be worse than drawing a card, right? 
Um, um, yeah, um, hard to say. Hard to say. Yeah, hard, hard to say. But I feel like it'd usually be worse than drawing a card. Uh, and yeah, like getting you get a generic copy of a card in that booster of your choice. Choosing between fifteen cards is going to give you, like, I think realistically you're probably going to be choosing between like four cards. But I think it's I think it's a neat design. I think costing it is hard. I think it would be appropriate to just look at it as don't really worry as much about how much you're going to cost it at because people are probably going to play it in brawl for fun. And I think yeah, it'll be a very fun card there, but I don't think you should be worried about making sure that Booster Tutor is costed correctly for Constructed. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. But um, it would just be cool. You know, uh, Magic has always looked for opportunities to print silver-bordered cards in Black Border, and this is mm -hmm. just another. Booster Tutor is definitely one of the more iconic uh, silver-bordered cards, I think, and this is a great place to bring it, bring it in the Black Border. So. All right, what is your next card? All right, my next card is uh, Nahiri Stoneforge Heritor, and I went a little crazy with this one. All of these loyalty abilities only work in digital. Um, All right. This is one a white and a red for a legendary planeswalker Nahiri, so a three drop. Plus one, conjure a short sword to your hand. Oh, Minus that's one, cool, yeah. Forge up to one target equipment or up to one equipment card in your hand twice. To forge, choose between three abilities. The equipment gains that ability perpetually. So oh, there's a list okay. of nine abilities I have here that go onto the equipment and that you pick between three of them twice when you minus one Nahiri. And you can do it to okay. equipment in your hand or in play. So the abilities are indestructible and hexproof. Equipped creature has plus one plus one. Equipped creature has lifelink. Equipped creature has vigilance. Equipped creature has first strike and haste. Equipped creature has flying. Equipped creature has ward three. Equip zero. And whenever equipped creature attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on it. So you can wow. maybe, you, you, you have a lot of options. You can have her just be an engine on her own where you conjure the short sword and then you like, you know, um, augment it a couple times before you cast it. So it like equips for free and it's plus two plus two and lifelink and ward three instead. Uh, or you can like sort of build your own ember cleave turn one win or one turn win kind of thing where you just keep an ember cleave in your hand and you keep minusing Nahiri on it to make it eventually like give so much stats that you just kill your opponent in one turn. There's a few different routes you can take this down mid range combo whatever and then her oh yeah her starting loyalty is three so you can do this three times to an equipment you already have before she dies. Her minus two is conjure a stoneforge mystic to your hand. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is uh that's pretty good. Yeah. So, I think she's pretty balanced just for the because of the inherent like disability that equipment has, like the inherent mm -hmm. like sort of issues it has with like, you know, you kill the creature and then you've kind of dealt with the equipment. But I really like equipments. I think they're really fun. I love Stoneforge Mystic and I wanted to try my hand at like a fair copy of that that uses the digital mechanics and like I think the idea of customizing a card in a way that doesn't involve very much RNG but kind of allows you to like edit an equipment to have different abilities is kind of interesting oh yeah i love that forge ability um that is so cool and a great um application of like the davriel like uh yeah. terms and conditions uh thing that that sounds like so much fun um i i also love equipment so uh, you know i love you know aggressive strategies and you invented uh, that, popper cobbled <laughs> that um yeah, that Nahiri is definitely, if I was going to play anything, uh, uh, equipment, I would love that card. I would love it. I lo that Forge ability is so cool. I would hope there would be other cards with that keyword. This is just one I wanted. Like, maybe a two-mana 2-2 two -two that forges an equipment attached to it when it attacks. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you think, uh, when you're designing this card, the um, ability to conjure a stone uh, Stoneforge Mystic, do you see that as, like, an ultimate, like, kind of 
you, once you do that, the game's over. Um, you've just accrued so much value. Or do you think that's one of those, you know how some Planeswalkers have a, like a kind of mini ultimates that you yeah. that are like easier to get to, but aren't as game breaking? Are you thinking of it that way? Well, when I when I designed the card, I gave her three starting loyalty and that ability is only minus two. So you can do okay. it and she's still around. And I figure like... It doesn't protect her. She doesn't have any way to protect herself, so it's fine for her to have a pretty powerful minus. Uh, or two pretty sure. powerful minuses. She's one, a white, and a red. So if you're just playing her to get the Stoneforge Mystic, you're paying five mana for it uh, total. Because sure. she conjures the Stoneforge Mystic to your hand. Um, yeah. And, like, I think I think that's pretty balanced. Like, if you play her and you've already got creatures and you're getting a Stoneforge Mystic, like, yeah, you've given your opponent something to get through. But if you already had some creatures, it's fine for a Planeswalker protected by creatures to do something valuable that's kind of just the way they work i think it's pretty balanced i don't really look at it as an ultimate i look at it as like you'll pick a line of play when you play the nahiri maybe you'll minus the stone minus to make the stoneforge mystic and then minus to forge whatever equipment it grabs or you'll just make a short sword and then keep forging it uh, like there's a lot of different ways you can do this planeswalker yeah and i think that the stoneforge is just kind of one of them but i wanted to make the abilities balanced so that you kind of have a hard time deciding which one you want to use yeah, that makes sense. I kind of like with Sarah, how you spoke before, how you can yeah. play it minus it, and it's just like playing a um, a Sarah Angel. How this is kind of like that same uh, concept, just in like a kind of in a reverse way, like a different way. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's neat. Yeah, those are the Planeswalkers that I think are good designs. So what's your yeah. what's your second digital only card? All right, so I was racking my brain thinking about what things in Magic can we not do, but we have tried to do in the past. And I thought, Falling Star, right? You know, mm -hmm. the uh, the uh, um, <laughs> the um, dexterity cards um, that, you know, for obvious ableist reasons or, you know, um, ableism reasons, uh, reasons that we don't, you know, um, want to have in the game that require physical dexterity um, i think so there's reasons other than ableism that those are bad game design but continue sure yes okay um my card is artillery barrage um this is just an expensive red sorcery i don't know how much this would cost oh hell yeah. artillery <laughs> i love this i love this first line artillery barrage strikes the battlefield destroy all non-land permanent struck each player who controls a struck permanent sacrifices a non-basic land. I went through a couple iterations of this, but Ooh. basically it uses the graphics of the game to do a falling star-like effect. So it would be like a some sort of circle or blast zone that would show up on the battlefield in a random spot and then hit anything that is in that radius. Yeah, I like this design. And then if you play it in a deck that's only mountains, it doesn't hurt as bad when you get hit. Right, that that's true. And red is the kind of chaos color. I mean, this this is very much a red card. I don't think anybody could argue that. Um, you could hit your own stuff. It could be a mix of your opponents and your stuff. It could go hit one of the corners and hit nothing. Um, I figure that it hitting your opponent's just stack of lands would be way too powerful. So yeah. I wanted it. To, yeah, um, but I wanted to get that. Um, you know, it does. You know, um, it hits it. it um, it hurts the land, you know, like, like you're losing lands if it hits you, but you're also not losing every single land 
that you have. Um, so yeah. I would love to see an iteration of this. Uh, and I also think it would be kind of fun maybe if the um, blast zone could be like variable or maybe like, um, you know, oh. the or the community could like do that kind of metagame thing where they like decide or they like try to determine if they can like figure out how big it is and like make decisions based on that. Um, I think that that's an interesting angle to it too. But yeah, um, yeah I could think make this it would be an a cool X spell where the radius gets bigger. The oh, mana that's you pump into it. Yeah, that's interesting. Like your um, uh, collected company type card, there's a lot of room to uh, design here. But um, I would just love something like this that uses the graphical interface of the game. Oh, yeah. uh, for for a game for a game action, I think that would be cool. I think that's brilliant. It should also be able to destroy your opponent's pet. <laughs> that that would definitely be fun but that's my last card um i think you have one more for us right i do yeah naming this card was really hard because um there's only so many like there's thought sees there's inquisition there's like uh there's a lot of cards that are like take a hunk of your opponent's brain and like finding synonyms for like steel brain chunk or steel thoughts is like and making them still sound like a real magic card is kind of hard. I ended mm -hmm. up going with defile intellect, which is not a magic card yet. Uh, this is one blue and a black for a sorcery. Look at target player's hand. Choose a non-land card you find there and discard it. Conjure a generic copy to your hand. So it oh, is sort okay. of you know like divination or mind soup. You know what I'm talking about? The two and a black mind mm -hmm. rot. Um, it is kind of like that. It's like they go down a card, you go up a card. This might be too powerful at the cost that it's at, but I feel like four mana is way too weak. Um, this is kind of based on like a card that's similar to it from Eldraine. Um, but it's, I think it's a cleaner effect uh, and it doesn't use hybrid where it shouldn't be used. Um, mm. if anyone knows the design mistake that I'm talking about. Um, but Defile Intellect is really interesting, I think, just because, like, it creates a sort of pattern of, like, not only do I have to think about what card I don't want my opponent to have, but what card do I want to have? If my opponent has, a, like, a Chandra Torch of Defiance in their hand, like, it might not be the most pressing thing. I might want to get rid of their removal spell to protect my creature, but what if I want to play this card? Like, what if it would be really good for me to draw this, sort of? So it, it adds a second thing to think about when your thought's using your opponent. And I think three mana is probably an appropriate cost to put it at, because that's the, like two for one card advantage color or the two for one card advantage cost typically for like blue and black yeah that makes sense i like that tension between there what do you want to discard what do you want to play um do you think that this has to be a digital only card could this work in paper if they really wanted it to like you like you exile it and while it's exiled you can play it um you know for for anything or do you think this really needs to be a digital only card that's what the card from um from Eldraine did, I think it's a lot cleaner if it's digital. And I think, right. you know, it conjures a copy of the card, so if it gets bounced to your hand, you can play it again. Or if it gets destroyed, you can reanimate it from your graveyard. I think that's, like, a functional difference that matters. Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense. It's like, we can make we can tweak the card and make a better version of it that plays better for yeah. a digital format. That's actually a great kind of use of the, um, you know, digital only kind of design um, mm -hmm. is like, basically we can, we can make cards that had to like do weird things to work within the rules of magic, just actually work the way we intuitively want them to work. Um, so that's a good use of that kind of way of designing, I think. Yeah. And something that none of our custom cards had considered and that I don't know if any of the real cards they made considered like a design space that hasn't been used yet digital magic can change the ownership of cards 
in a game without changing like who controls them or without changing who actually ends up owning them at the end of the game like there could be like a creature control sort of spell that actually like makes it so the creature becomes yours within the rules of that game i don't know just something something to think about something they could do with these digital only cards sure yeah yeah so yeah so those are our digital only designs do you like what we've come up here do you think these are bad designs let us know we want to read your comments uh and you could tweet at us uh, and let us know what you think of, of our design skills uh we'd we'd love to, to hear what you have to say yeah is this killing magic the gathering is digital magic killing paper magic is paper magic killing digital magic did you know that there are thousands of magic cards that are exclusive to paper magic <laughs> all right okay we this has been a long episode but you know lots of stuff to talk about lots of things to consider um how about we wrap this one up absolutely this has been a very long one thank you for listening to this episode of gutshot you can follow me at warcrimesuwu on twitch will is at aggro rhetoric on twitter and you can follow the show on twitter at gutshot pod Yes, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, rate us, review us, do all that social stuff to let us know um, that you like what we're doing. Uh, this has been Gut Shot. Uh, don't worry, everyone. Fred took his dog out. It's all it's all good. Uh, <laughs> you know, the dog hasn't been just sitting there waiting. And we will see you next time. We will see you next time. <laughs>